encourage everybody here, if you guys have not received salvation, it is, his love is the same for you as it is for everybody else here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you, God. Hallelujah, God. We thank you, Lord, God, that the doors of heaven is open, Father God. You welcome everybody, God. God, we thank you, God, for dying on the cross for us, God. Oh, pouring out your blood and your mercy, God, and your sacrifice, God. Oh, God, we receive it, God. God, we will enter in, God. The doors are open, God. Hallelujah, Father, we love you, God. We praise you, Lord God. God, accept this worship that we provide for you, God. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, we give you all the glory and all the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we just lift our hands and our voices this morning to him? Come on, all over this room. Can we prepare our hearts, Lord, to bless your heart, Jesus? God, we enter into your courts with thanksgiving, with praise, God. Come on, let's set our hearts on him. Let's set our mind on him. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Lord. There's no one like you, Jesus. Come on, can you just sing your own song right now before we sing on the karaoke screen? Come on, can you lift up your own song to him? I love you, I love you, Jesus. From my heart to yours, we love you. Let's sing this next part. In your joy, I find my 
break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. up your hands to him and say God I'm believing right now that you are here I'm believing that there's power when we call on your name Jesus it's more than a song to me God I'm believing right now that you're breaking things that you're rearranging things that you're molding me into the man and woman you want me to be God come on when you sing this I want you to sing this with eyes open to the spirit right now that there's power in your name Jesus come on sing it again Lord
your voice this morning. Come on, you and him. We believe in the power of the name of Jesus. We believe in the power of the blood that was spilled from me. We believe in the power that comes in calling out to you, Jesus. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. My God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. My God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. Sing it out. My God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker, my God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker, he's a chain breaker, he's a chain breaker, my God, he's a chain breaker, he's a chain breaker, he's a chain breaker, he's a chain breaker, my God, he's a chain breaker, he's a chain breaker. Come on, throw up those hands this morning and sing it out. My God, my God, he's a chain breaker, he's a chain breaker, he's a chain breaker. My God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. Come on, just your voice to him. Sing it out, say. My God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. My God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. Come on, there's something in your life this morning that needs to be broken. I want you to do that in the spirit. Come on, in the name of Jesus. You're breaking every chain this morning. The chain of depression, chain of addiction, chain of fear. Come on. He's a chain breaker. Singing out. He's a chain breaker. My God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. My God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. My God, he's a chain breaker. Yes, you want Jesus. You're so strong and so powerful. There's nothing that's bigger than my God. You're so strong. You're so powerful. Nothing loses from your sight. You're so strong and so powerful. I can scale a mountain. I can walk on the heights, Lord, because you're so strong and so powerful. Yeah. do anything through you, Jesus. Nothing is too hard for you, Lord. I find strength in your presence. I find strength in your presence, Lord. I find my strength in your presence, Jesus. There's victory in you. Victory in you, Lord. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up.
Can you just lift your hands and say, I'm in Jude says to build up our most holy faith by speaking in tongues. And we are a church that is unafraid and unashamed of the Holy Spirit. Come on, if you believe that the Holy Spirit wants to move this morning, can you just start speaking in tongues right now? Let's get the mind of Christ this morning.
one right now, if that's you, you're dealing with bitterness. Come on. That will destroy you, man. The Holy Spirit is talking to you, and you know that's you. You've been dealing with unforgiveness. You've been dealing with bitterness. Come on, right now, if that's you, you need to confess that to him. Come on, we're opening up these altars right now for you. If you need to come and lay that down once and for all. You've been holding it for years, maybe. Come on, forgiveness right now. He's calling you this morning to forgive. Come on, we, we, bind, we bind that chain of bitterness right now in the name of Jesus. You know that too. You've got to break that right now. Come on. Come on, people are coming up to this altar right now. Come on, today's the last day. Today's the last day. Come on, today's the last day right now. Leave it at the foot of the cross. Forgiven, you will be forgiven. Come on, it's that serious this morning, church. Come on, this altar's open. Break that chain of bitterness over our lives, God. Lose forgiveness, lose love, lose peace, lose joy. We break that right now. Come on, there's children that are holding bitterness against their parents. Come on. We bind up that right now in Jesus' name, and we forgive. We forgive. We forgive. Broken relationships, friendships, come on. You know what you're dealing with. Say, today's the last day I'm holding bitterness. Love, love, love. We lose love in this place.
Hallelujah, Lord. God, we come before you, God. You are mighty. You are powerful, Lord. We're not just worshiping uh, the air. We're not just singing songs in the atmosphere. We are worshiping a living God today. We are here before you today, God. We are wanting more of you today, God. We are not just coming to another Sunday, God. We're not just coming for another congregation, God. We're coming for you, Lord. We want to see you lifted high. We want to hear a word from you, God. We want to be touched by the living King of kings and the Lord of lords, God. You are worthy, God. Only you are worthy, Lord. I just want everybody just to reflect on how real he is. And how you see the world around you. And you think this is real. But God is even more than that. This is his creation. God created everything here. He's beyond this. He's above this. And he's so good. He's so good that he cares for every single one of us. You are encountering a loving God today. You are encountering a powerful God today. You are encountering truth today. This is not a dead God. This is a alive God. You are encountering the living God today. Hallelujah, God. We can just sing the song from the top again. And let's just, let's just sing it with that perspective now. That we have a God, a relentless God that's coming after us, who's alive and who's wanting us.
with you, Lord. Do it today, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Give God a round of applause. You can slap your neighbor high five as you make your way back to your seat. take just a few moments to uh, proclaim to you a message uh, that many of us here know, but for you maybe who have been coming just a few weeks now, or for you who's just come, I want to proclaim to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason why we do it now instead of just, you know, you kind of get it in the middle of the service is because we want to make it very clear to you on what we believe in this church. We're not, uh, I, I want to be sin sincere and really serious with you guys. We're not playing games when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know what it takes for somebody to go to heaven or somebody who is eternally damned. And we know that you need that relationship with the Lord. Amen? So I'm going to make it very simple today. The gospel of Jesus Christ is as following. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Notice how I said in the beginning there was a God. Now, God, in creating the heavens and the earth, Obviously, he's a creative God. In his uh, creation, he created mankind. And he created mankind in his image to have a conscience, to have a soul, and to have a relationship with mankind, to with man. It's very simple, isn't it? God created and he created us. But what did man do in this, in this time? Did man really honor God when he was created by God? No, he did not. The Bible records that he turned away. He followed his own selfish desires. And from Adam up until today, in your own personal life, I can guarantee you that you have that same heart. Everybody is born a sinner, the Bible says. Everybody uh, does not seek God. They forsake God. There is no one good. Not even one person, the Bible says that. So if you're in that predicament today where you've never heard the gospel and you are hearing that, you know, you, are, you don't have a relationship with God, what does that mean for you? 
Well, it means if you have an eternal God who created you with a specific purpose, and if you are not in that relationship with God, obviously you're not going to be in your purpose. But what happens after death? The Bible says this, is that you would be eternally damned and separate from God. I don't need to paint a picture of how good heaven is or how bad hell is. All I can tell you is that heaven is a place that has God. Hell is a place that does not have God for eternity. For eternity, day after day, year after year, infinite after infinite after infinite. As much as you can think beyond that, even more and more and more, that's what hell is like. It's serious. We believe that. That's why we want to take the time to share this with you. Now, am I just here to be the the bearer of bad news? Am I just going to tell everybody here, you guys all messed up and God is angry with you, peace? No, I'm not saying that today. If you can turn in your Bibles, if you have a Bible, if not, you can look up at the screen to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. And I'm sorry uh, if I just realized uh, all the king's kids, all that, they can go now to the back if they haven't already. Might as well get it in there, you know. <laughs> but Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. And it says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Come on now. In our sins, we are imprisoned to our sins. We are in the dominion of darkness. We are on his opposite side. We are the enemies of God, as the Bible says. But because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, you know what that does? It brings us into the kingdom of his son. It brings us into fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We now have a relationship with God. We are now fulfilling what we're supposed to do in this life, and it's to have a relationship with the living King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is for today. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope that every single person in this place who has not received that message, that they receive it today. Because I, I want to implore you on this. If you walk away from this message and you say to yourself, this was not for me, you are not only leaving a loving God who, who left his, his throne in heaven and became flesh to die on the cross for you, you are not only leaving that loving God, but you're leaving every good thing that really comes from God. You are going to search for love somewhere else. You know where love comes from? It comes from God. You're going to go search for blessings in your life, good things. You know where those come from? They come from God. And you're going to be on God's planet doing things that you know blessings are from God, but you don't want God. I implore you today to find the real meaning of the life that you have today. Find that purpose today and find that relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we, we just take this time, God, to, to come before you, Lord, and we ask you, God, that if anybody here is not saved, God, has not received your son, they have not received forgiveness of their sins, God. I pray right now, Lord God, that they would just Examine their lives right now, God. Your word is truth, Lord God, and I know that it pierces 
even between soul and spirit, Lord God. And I pray that your word, God, not my words, not my, my eloquence, not anything of that sort, God, would pierce their heart, God. I pray that your word pierces their heart. That your spirit right now will come in and convict them of sin right now, Lord God, because you are that God. You are that good. And you know them so personally, so intimately, God. And you want them so much more than any lover could want them, God. You want to know them so much more. You want them to know you so much more, God. I pray that they would find it today. They would find you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Everybody can stand up. You can give God a clap clap of praise. He is good, amen. He is really good. If you received uh, just salvation right now, if you just believed in what I just said and, and whatnot, uh, you can go over there to Chris and Vanessa if you guys can raise your hands. They will pray for you. They will plug you into our church, and they will, you know, just counsel you on what to do next in this, in this uh, process. Amen? And now we're going to uh, recite our confession of faith. And we do this every week because we want to declare what we believe. We want to always say it. This is our worldview encompassing. So on the count of three, we're going to start off. One, two, and three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. You may greet your neighbor and have some time of fellowship.
so good to have you all here this morning. Who's excited for church? Who's excited for church this morning? Come on. I'm excited. I'm excited about the nice weather, aren't you guys? Yeah. Welcome to MPI Church. I want to take this time to welcome all of our first-time visitors. If this is your first time here, please raise your hand. Please wave right back at me. There we go. No. Funny that you've been here. Thank you so much for being here. One of our ushers will bring you a brochure, give you a little bit of information about who we are. Here at MPI, we have two main services, Sundays at 10 a.m., Fridays at 7 p.m. Come on, Elevate, make some noise. Come on, Elevate, make some noise. Yeah, there you are. That's our youth service, Fridays at 7 p.m. Bring out your teenagers, ages from 11 to 18. And here's a quick announcement. The Truth Is Conference. Somebody say, Truth Is. Come on, we know the truth is Jesus, right? But here we have a conference that has been created specifically for the lost. Specifically to train you believers and how to reach the lost who are not having a biblical worldview, not having Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Train us up and how to go forth and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And here, the lost, when you invite them, will have an opportunity to ask questions, have an opportunity to just hear the gospel and accept Christ. So we are believing God to move mightily. It's March 21st through the 23rd. So you want to make sure you ask off of work. That's number one. Number two, we want you to check out our Facebook event page. Hit going and then make sure you come and share that information with your friends. Tag your friends on that event page. Take the picture, the Truth Is Conference cover picture. Make it your own and really come expecting God to move both in your life and in your friend's life. Amen. Are you guys excited about that? I want to see you all there and God is going to move mightily. Amen. And here at MPI, we have a vision of loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus Christ gave us, right? And we have a discipleship strategy of connect, mentor, and send. We want to make sure that you are connected to Jesus Christ. He's your foundation. He's Lord and Savior. And then we want to make sure that you're connected to one of the life groups. Somebody say life group. Life groups are a place where disciples share life doing various things and the, this is the complete listing of what we have going on this quarter and the, also the listing is on the back of your announcement so make sure to check that out and here's what's going on this week tonight we have Sunday encounter prayer group starting at 5 p.m. with child care provided if you guys want to go deep into God's word if you guys want to fellowship get some accountability prayer over a situation in your life come on out Sunday's at 5 and then we have Wednesday's King Kids for infants all the way up to 11 years old we're teaching our children to live for Jesus. We're, we're teaching them the commands. We're preparing them from the time that they're this little because we want them to know the Lord just as much as we want you to get poured into, we want our little ones to get poured into. And then Friday, adult Bible study at my place. We're having a night of fellowship this Friday at 7 p.m. Yes, we're having a Mexican fiesta night. We're just wanting to fellowship, hang out with you, pour into your life, and you to pour into us. Come refresh us Fridays at 7 p.m. And then Saturday, evangelism at 5 p.m. Come on, yes. Going out into the city of Chicago, just preaching the gospel. It is powerful. We have a great testimony of an outreach that they did just last night. And people gave their lives to the Lord. People from this very community, God bringing them, and they're just giving their life to Christ. Amen. Yes, that's something to praise God about. Amen. And then once you get connected 
We want to mentor you to live like Jesus. We want to mentor you according to the word. This is discipleship. Jesus Christ said he, that we are to make disciples of all nations, not just believers. And so what this means is you go through this book right here with one of the elders or deacons at our church at a time that's convenient for you. And yes, you learn the basic uh, foundation of Christianity through this. And you learn so much how to live free from sin, how to live accountable and transparent. And let me tell you, in my life, there's some things that I have faced personally that I don't know if I would have been able to get through them unless I had someone who knew more than me, someone who walked the walk before me and had faced those tough situations. So this discipleship is not an option. Jesus said, go forth, make disciples of all nations, and that is you. And so maybe if you've been afraid, maybe if there's something that's holding you back, share those fears, share those questions that might be going through your head with a person today because the elders and deacons here are ready to train you, ready to mentor you, amen? And once you get mentored through the one-on-one, -on -one, you go on to the two-on-one. It's called Disciples That Make Disciples with Pastor Jared, Sundays at 8 a.m. because God wants to send you out. Everybody say send. That's the third part of our discipleship strategy, send you out into the world to share the gospel and to go make more disciples. And we have a goal, somebody say goal, of 100,000 disciples here in the city of Chicago. Yes, 50 churches here and 500 all around the world. Come on, God can do it, amen? Amen. Now it's time to prepare for our tithe and offering. If you all can turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 4. 2 through 5. Today's lesson found in the Disciples Giving book, lesson number 8, the tithe must be a priority. The tithe must be a priority. Somebody say priority. These lessons are meant to, to encourage us, to teach us more on why we believe in tithes and offerings, why the Bible teaches it as a principle for us to con continue living out in our daily life. And this, the tithe must be a priority, is a big one. I believe the tithe the comes as a priority when we have a healthy fear of God, an honor and a respect towards God, and saying, God, this 10%, as it says there, this 10% of our total income will be given to you faithfully, amen? Because we honor him, because we love him and respect him. It will be a priority. So if you're with me in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2 through 5. Let's read. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Somebody say downcast. Here are the main points. Number one, Cain's gift was rejected because he waited too long to give it. It was not his first fruit, right? It says the Bible records, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits. So because he did make giving his priority and made it more like an afterthought, God did not favor or bless him. Number two, Abel's gift was accepted because it was his first. Abel made giving to God a priority by giving God his firstborn animals. Amen? So what? So, so Abel thinks to himself the first, the best. 
belongs to God, and he goes forth and he gives it to him. Remember, last week we, we learned that we don't give God our second best. We don't give him something that didn't, it didn't cost us something. We always give him the best. So how do we summarize this? God wants to be the first to receive from your hard work, not second or third. We know the government likes to take it first, right? And so we know they got their cut. So we better make sure we give God what belongs to him. And we say and we believe that if we take care of God's house, he's going to take care of our house. Amen? And that comes through a trusting relationship with God, not doubting. And like I said before, it's a healthy fear. In my house, my husband takes care, uh, take care, uh, takes care of the bills, and he takes care of all that. So I don't have to worry about it. But you know what? He talks to me about it. He says, this is what's going on this week. And we're putting this aside for offering, and we're setting this as our tithe. And it's a communication and he's in charge but we hold each other accountable amen and so that's what married couples I want to encourage you if that's the case talk to each other about it and make God a priority in your finances amen let's confess this together one two three the tithe was implied with Cain and Abel revealed to Abraham established in the law of Moses and is still relevant for today it comes with a blessing and curse it must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, and is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Amen. Please stand to your feet with me this morning. Anytime you give your tithes and offerings in this church, tithes goes to the general fund here at the church. Your offering can either go to missions or the building fund, as you see there. This year for missions, we are raising $20,000 towards the Philippines missions trips that we are taking. Yes, thank you so much for your giving. Come on, keep, keep those pledges that you have between you and the Lord, and God is going to do it. Amen? And let's recite this scripture together. Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you give us, Father. And I pray that in this place we would always make your kingdom a priority in our lives. Father, in all that we do, that we would place you first. I pray that if there's any person in this room that's withholding tithe and offering, dear God, something you've commanded us, I pray for repentance today, dear God. And I pray for people's lives to get back on track, putting you first in their finances and every other area of their life in jesus name we pray amen please come up as you give Come on, let's give it up for Brother Steve being the man of God. He's a gangster for Jesus. If you love Jesus, can I get a woo whoop? Amen. Welcome to the house of God. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew 5. I'm so excited that you guys came this morning. Isn't it a good morning? Worshiping, loving Jesus. How many love Jesus with all their heart this morning? 
all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. You all with me on that? Man, you know, I was telling that one time to a group of kids. I said, guys, you got to love Jesus with all your heart. And they said, well, then what do I love my mommy with if I love Jesus with everything? And that's kind of like a real question when you think about it, right? It's like if, like if there's an all, like all of the, you know, like food in your cabinets and you give it all to Jesus, there's no more food for your family. But that's not how the Bible means it. What the Bible means is the center of your love is God and that everything revolves around God. So I love God with all my heart and by doing that I can love my family with all my heart. So I can give all my love to you as well, loving you as myself. Now look at your neighbor and see how they took care of themselves this morning because some of you may not want your neighbor to love you like they love themselves. No, I'm kidding. Look at your other neighbor and say, you look nice. Come on. It's like, it just got real weird. It's like, hold on, I thought we're not supposed to judge each other. Now we're looking at each other, you know. Some of us, we need to love each other, uh, love ourselves a little more, getting in shape. But you know, if you love me, if I love you like I love myself, you're going to be big and burly for Jesus. You're going to have a healthy appetite for the Lord. You know what I'm saying? So it's all right. But uh, I just feel like these jackets, like I'm going to bust out of it like it's like some WWF, you know. You know, like snap into a Slim Jim. Are you guys with me in Matthew 5? That's, that's the hangout time. That's all I got. No, I'm kidding. Today we're talking about uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're in the middle of a series called the Beatitudes, which are the attitudes of the kingdom. And I've been inviting different people on Facebook because of the things we've been covering. And so I see some friends here today and also some that we've invited. Maybe you're just here to visit. But uh, I think you're going to really enjoy this message because today's message is going to talk about why we think about how we think about right and wrong and why we call things right and wrong. So we're going to really get into this understanding of uh, our morals and our ethics and so thank you guys for coming today if you're there in that passage can you say I'm there okay Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 notes is always on the Facebook page and on our website here Jesus is going up to a mountain to teach people I want you to really pay attention who is he teaching okay somebody say disciples I had to give it away okay now when Jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside sat down with his disciples and they came to him and he began to teach them now, every time you see blessed are can you shout it out one two three blessed are okay you guys are ready verse three blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God blessed Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many Beatitudes are there? Eight. Those of you who have been paying attention, there are eight. And I'm going to have my children recite all by memory at the end of March. So this whole month of February and March, we're getting them ready. We're bribing them with the candy, you know. It's like, no, you didn't get it. And you can see, like, I slide the candy away. The little tear comes down their eye. Daddy, can I try again? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Then I got, you know, probably the dentist is going to be like, why they got so many cavities? Because we're teaching them scriptures. No, don't blame it on the Bible. Like, we should, like, do it with apples, right? That would be the better thing, some of you. They'd be like, keep the apple, Dad. No, but... I want everybody to memorize these. So once a week we get a new one, we should know all of the ones up until now, right? So blessed are the poor in spirit for kingdom of heaven. The next one, Matthew uh, 5, 
4, blessed are those who mourn for, are they up here? Can we just help me out here? My masculine Vanna White. Let's give it up for Pastor Ellie. Didn't he tear it up this morning? Do an awesome job. So proud of him. Just like man after my own heart. Okay, let's start from the beginning. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit for their, hold on, dude. I want you to get rid of the scripture so they can't see them. Because we're doing it by memory, right? Because you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. At the end of the month, when my kids do it, after they do it, like little Hannah says, like, and there's the kingdom of heaven. What am I doing next? Handing you the microphone, okay? So Salvador, get ready. You sit in the front row, boom. I want him to start quoting them. Okay, here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew 5, 3. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are who mourn will be comforted. Okay, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Okay, now today is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Okay, thank you guys for doing that with me. Let's look at our terms this morning. They're the same terms throughout the whole series, so I want them to get really into your heart. Number one, everybody say disciples. Thank you. These are the committed learners and students of Jesus. That's who he's talking to. So he gets up on this mountainside and he says, guys, come to me. Jesus was very intentional in his teaching. He knew that if he would make disciples, the disciples could go make other disciples and disseminate and give that information to the whole world. Now, 2,000 years later, you're here because of those disciples. Jesus' name is the most popular name in the whole world. The Bible is the most read book in the whole world. And Christianity grows eight times faster than the rate of birth. So every Every time a baby is born, four more are born again. Can I hear an amen? See, that's the result of disciples. Number two, someone say Sermon on the Mount. Thank you. This is the longest single portion in the Bible of Jesus' teachings found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it's the foundation of our Christian morality and ethics for our spiritual practice. So when we talk about the, the turning of the other cheek, where is that found? Sermon on the Mount. When we talk about don't lust after a woman with your eyes because in your heart that's adultery, that's where? Sermon on the Mount. The Lord's Prayer is where? Sermon on the Mount. Just look at your neighbor and say, Sermon on the Mount. Very important stuff. So I'm praying about whether or not after the Beatitudes to get into all the rest of this uh, awesome sermon. I've preached it before here, and I may do it again. Uh, next uh, term we want to learn is Beatitudes. Can you say that with me? Beatitudes. Thank you. It's the Latin word batido, and it comes from blissful. It means blissful, happy, blessed sayings of Jesus. Anybody here blissed out on Jesus? Can you raise up your Bible, toast it to your neighbor, and go, cheers, man. I got to do that every week. I'm just so blessed, man. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's good every time, man. Legalize it, man. Legalize it. I just want to see students tomorrow in school, you know, just, oh, man, I'm high on Jesus, man. You can't stop this. If loving Jesus is wrong, I don't want to be right. I'm blessed. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. It's okay to be blessed. 
The next one, blessed, it's just the same thing. It's, it comes from the Latin word beatus, and it means to be blessed. And here when we get the idea of blessing, it's just not after we sneeze. It's actually having the divine favor of God. So when we're saying we wish that you would be blessed, that God would uh, shine his face upon you, that he would prosper you, what we mean by that is that God would give you his ways and his power and his strength to accomplish the things you have in your to do in your life. And so Jesus is telling us these eight things to be blessed. He does want us to be too blessed to be stressed amen and God won't bless your mess all right so you guys are learning those so what we want to do is be blessed we're not saying that we're going to be all millionaires it's going to be a yellow brick road to heaven but I can be blessed in the midst of all this can't I amen is Jesus teasing us or is he being real if he said I could be blessed I can be blessed amen now if you don't want your blessings you can give them to your neighbor but I want you to get them at least and you decide what to do with them amen how many know we need blessed families blessed schools blessed jobs like I said if you don't want the raise still get the raise and give the rest of it to the church you can do that amen but be the best on your job so they have to give you a raise because you're irreplaceable okay let's go to the next one kingdom of heaven everybody say kingdom of heaven thank you it's the basala the basaleya rather basaleya everybody say basaleya Thank you. It's the act of rule and reign of Jesus. That was Greek, by the way, upon the earth and in our hearts. So when we enter the basala, basaleia, 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 basaleia. Everybody say basaleia. Okay, thank you. Uh, when we enter into this relationship with Christ, we enter into his kingdom. He is king and we are his servants. And it starts within our hearts and he rules and reigns in our lives. And he's a good king, right? He takes care of us. He loves us. But one day this kingdom is going to come upon the earth. And if you look at the Beatitudes as a sandwich, the, the two buns are the first one and the last one. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the entrance into the kingdom by being humble and accepting Christ, knowing your spiritual bankrupt, but he has all the riches, that salvation. And then the last one, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven this means being a Christian you're going to suffer trouble but hang in there because God has your back right so that's the first and the last one then everything in between is about the kingdom so even though it doesn't say in the kingdom of heaven after all of these we can assume that's what Jesus means because he's doing this in a poetic sense so like blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness in the kingdom of heaven because they will be feel, filled are you guys tracking with me like blessed are when we do these things in his kingdom here because he's going to bless us here that's why the bible says we should pray for his kingdom to come and his will be done where on earth as it is in heaven okay now let's go to our sermon text that was the review look at your neighbor and say just the review and say it was just for you there you go today's message blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness this is what we want to talk about today hungering and thirsting for righteousness, because the Bible promises us we will be filled. Now, I want you to hear what I believe uh, Jesus means by hunger and thirst. The point one there is that hunger and thirst is used by Jesus in that poetic sense of a strong and powerful longing and desire for righteousness. So just like how if I keep preaching like past one, two, three, y'all going to get hungry, you're going to have some rumblings in your tummy, that's how you should be every day for righteousness. How many of you here like to work out? Jog, walk, run, lift weights, you know. Do you ever get thirsty? 
How many gets thirsty? And you want that water, right? In our gym, they have the, the drinking fountain, and then they have that cooler that has ice-cold water in there with those little, like, cone cups. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I just go there, and I just guzzle it down, and I just drink it, and I'm just like, thank you, Lord, because the fountain doesn't seem to quench it as well as the ice, the cold water. Anybody with me on that? Is anybody a weirdy here carrying around your own little ice water everywhere you go? A couple weirdies like that? No, we're just kidding. But you like water like that. Yeah, raise your hand. But it's okay. So we hunger for food, we thirst for liquids, and that's for Christian, non-Christian. And I believe it's the same thing that Christian and non-Christian truly have a hunger for righteousness. But the thing is, if they don't do it in the kingdom, they'll never get filled. And so what we're going to be talking about today is unfulfilled desires of righteousness and those who are fulfilled and receiving righteousness. That's going to be a good one. Amen. But let's keep going. Number two. Just like how someone starving and would be hungry, uh, starving and would be hungry for food, suffering from dehydration with thirst for water, we are to thirst after God. The psalmist said, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longeth after thee. Has anybody here skipped to the end of the message and know where I'm going? Has anybody here hungered and thirst after Jesus and been filled? Do I have any filled people here today? Like, oh, like hiccup, you know, like I got a lot right now. A little bloated for Jesus. Anybody like that right now? Come on. Like you already know where we're going, but hang on for some of you who haven't been there. Three, what is righteousness? It literally means the right and just ways of God. So everybody say righteousness is right and just. See, that's what we're hungering for. We're hungering for God's right ways of doing things. So how is the right way to have a family? You need to hunger for that. If you're married, father, mother, wife, whatever, are you hungering to have the right kind of family? That's what you need to be hungry for. Go to God with that desire. Anybody here hungry to see justice upon the earth, want to see bad people get locked up, the, the, the guns get off our streets and the criminals go into jail, those kinds of things? You want to see peace in the streets? Amen. Are you hungering for that justice? Are you hungering for freedom in your own life from sin and the rat race? of repentance you sin you repent you sin and repent do you want to do the right thing of God and get off of that and live holy anybody want to do that amen the Bible said he will lead you in paths of what righteousness for what his namesake so he's got your back because his name's on the line when we don't live right, we're making him look bad. But when we live right, we give him all the credit, right? So that's how we need to do it, not by our own strength, but by his strength. All we need to do is get hungry for it. I don't have to know what Mama Luna's does in the back of their kitchen. All I got to do is just come hungry, ready? I got to come ready. I don't need to know what Bodinkins does back there. Just bring that. I got to go. There's stereotypical white guy talking about Hebrew but here I go. I don't know what they're doing at Bodinkins, but when they bring out the mofongo, when they bring out the, the, you know, the plantain sandwiches, baby, all I got to do is be hungry and just eat it. I don't have to know how Sprite does what they do. I don't need to know what happened there. You know, with the mountain fresh water, all I need is to be thirsty and crack open that Sprite, crack open that bottle of water. Are you all listening to me? So are you that type of person? Are you that kind of person today that is deeply, inwardly desiring the things of God, the right ways of God, the just ways of God? If you are, you will be filled. Now, here are the two ways that I want us to see today's message because when we talk about the right ways of God, we could cover the whole Bible. But I want to summarize the two things we should be hungering for. And this is where it's going to get very applicable to our generation and for those who came specifically for this message. Number one, we're going to talk about salvation. Everybody say salvation. Salvation, salvation is the right way of God. 
You cannot go to heaven without salvation. You will not be fulfilled in life without salvation. Have we seen enough uh, reality show car wrecks of their life to understand that money and fame doesn't make a person happy? I mean, I was just watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians, pray for me, and I'm like looking at their life like every single one of them is jacked up, you know, like they're hot, but they're all jacked up. The mom and dad separate. I'm just going to talk about it right now, then just pray for me. You know, my pastor watches Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I'm just so ashamed of him, but I know what he's talking about it because I watch it too, you know, so... The husband and wife like Chris and the other one, Jenner, whoever these guys are, they're not even living together. They're living in two separate houses. And then there's Chloe and the basketball star. They're on a divorce because this guy went on to drugs. I'm just going to go through the whole thing right now because I watch this show to feel normal. I'm one of those guys. I talked about them in the past. I'm one of those guys. And then you got Kim hooking up with Kanye, has a baby, and they ain't even married. You know what I'm talking about? And then you got the other one, Courtney, living with the one dude, two kids, and they're not even married. I'm like, stupid is as stupid does. Y'all don't know nothing about marriage and family. But you see, the world is attracted to that. I just pray for them, okay? I'm praying for them. That's why I watch it. Now, let's just, let, let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Whatever you watch, aren't they just as jacked up to the basketball players, the baseball players, the singers, your boss? Like, like, do you, I mean, your boss has a big paycheck or your owner of the company, but do you really want their family, their, their kind of background? I'm telling you, if it's, if it's not Christian and the righteousness of God, I wouldn't trade that for anything. And my question is, have we gotten sick and tired of being filled on the world's junk and the junk food of the world? Are we hungry now for God's way? Because you see, if, if, if my mom made some homemade lasagna that would be so good it would make your liver quiver but if you had just been eating those 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 hot chips before you came over and your fingers fingers were still stained with that red stuff but you had been eating it all day y'all listening to me and you were like so stuffed you wouldn't even be able to eat mama's lasagna because you're so full on that junk food everybody know what i'm talking about don't spoil your dinner right but if you come there hungry, man, mama's lasagna is going to be just going down your cheek. I'm looking at it. It's going to be all over. You have to put a bib on you. You're going to eat it, man. You're going to suckle it down because you're hungry. You want it. It's the same thing like going to a more seriously. Like if a man's looking at pornography all the time, he's looking at threesomes and foursomes and this sums and polyandry and all this crazy stuff. He's going to look at a woman and go, you don't satisfy me. I live in some fantasy land, right? But if you're like me, man, you ain't got nothing to look at but your wife naked. When you see her coming out the shower, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Woo! I love you, baby. I love you. Do I got an amen in the house? When, come on. See, some of you guys, you have already numbed your heart so much, you ain't used to that kind of stuff. But if you just let it go, I'm telling you, single people, just dating a girl, holding her hand will make, your, make the, the, the tinglys come up and down your spine. But if, you, but, if, but if you've been so full on the world's sexual perversion, romance won't satisfy. So number one, we need salvation through Jesus. We need his help, right? The Kardashians need his help. Amen? I need his help. We all need Jesus. So when we're talking about the right ways of God, we're talking about getting saved, knowing that we're lost without him. And number two, everybody say justice. Thank you. We're talking about God bringing justice through Jesus, making the wrong things right. Now, I want to show you these two scriptures. Uh, let's talk about salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Let's not just depend upon the karaoke Bible today. 
pull out them Bibles, them phone Bibles, old school Bibles. Come on, brother. Amen. Take some notes on the back of your announcements there. I want to be saved and have salvation God's way. I don't have time to talk about other religions today, but Christ and his way is the only way of grace. Every other way is a way of work, even Catholicism. Do this sacrament, do this confession here, do this thing here, take communion here, and you might get in. But, hey, if you trip and fall, you still might end up in purgatory. Wouldn't that just stink? You spend your whole life doing all of that, kissing the rings, bowing down, lighting the candles, and you still end up in purgatory? It's like, man, really? All that? Come on. And it's the same thing in all the other religions. Hinduism, I know it looks cute, the yoga and all that, but I have a, a friend that's from India. He's, he's now a Buddhist, and most people don't know Buddha came from India. It's just a form of Hinduism. You know, that yoga looks cute as an exercise. Do it for that. But when it becomes spiritual, they're doing that because they're not right with their God unless they do, unless they become in those positions and become cleared in their mind. I mean, isn't that just sad that this is how they are viewing salvation? The devil's a liar. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I love them, have compassion on them, but I love them too much to tell them a lie. God, tell them as it is. Amen? This, I just got to be honest. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. It's his way or no way. Amen? Or as uh, ACDC said, it's the high way to hell. And you don't want to go down that road. Okay? That's back in the B.C. days. I don't listen to them no more. 1 Corinthians <laughs> chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of what? Of him that you are in Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So where is humanity's righteousness right now? Come on, one person got it. Who else got it? Where is mankind's holiness right now? Where is mankind's redemption? It's in Jesus. Does righteousness come from us doing right things? You can't do enough right things to make yourself righteous. You cannot do enough right things to make yourself holy. You cannot do enough right things to redeem yourself. You cannot. You may say, Joe, I think it's unfair that I have to rely upon Jesus and, my own, and not my own good merits. You may feel that way, but you can't change the way it is. Your own merits will not satisfy the justice of God. One sin against a holy God separates you from him forever. What only can bring us back is the sacrifice of a pure, unblemished lamb, and that lamb was fully satisfied in Jesus Christ. So today, the good news is, and this is why I want some of my friends to get here, and uh, this is, I'm going to be getting more into it, but I want to start right here. Because if in your mind you're thinking, I do right things and then God accepts me, you have it backwards. We invite you to the Christian faith just as you are so that you can get his righteousness. We invite you just as you are to come to Jesus so you can get his holiness. And we invite you just as you are to come and get his redemption. Now, at this point, it's a matter of faith and acceptance. Just as I've given the example here before, if I have a child holding a penny and then I have a credit card, maybe American Express 
black without a limit. I actually checked on this online. They exist. And if you have one, let me borrow it sometime. Let's test it out. But the American Express, no limit credit card. you got to be rolling high to get that. Or a penny in a child's hand. See, that child maybe has never done a credit card, doesn't understand credit cards. Take, like, for example, Bethany. She's five years old. She just doesn't get what a credit card is. But if I could tell her, listen, give me your penny. Give me that shiny little penny you have in your hand, and I'll give you this American Express black credit card. If she can trust me, she will have innumerable amount of wealth and compared to that penny. Are you guys tracking with me? And the same thing is with humanity. A trustworthy source, Jesus, is telling us, trade your life here for a life to come, an eternal heaven that I have prepared for you, and I'll even give you a deposit of it here in your heart called the Holy Spirit in a new life. But you have to trust him based on his word. And so if Christ raised from the dead, if he did do what he said he did in that matter, he can be trustworthy in this. But even as Paul said, if he didn't rise from the dead, then he is not trustworthy, and certainly no one else is in his place. He's the best thing we got going for our connection to God. Am I not right? Come on. So today, do you trust him to make that exchange? It's not that I have a dirty life and then I try to clean it up and Jesus cleans it up and then I clean it up. It's like at the car wash, you know, like me and Jesus are getting down, you know, like Jesus, hey, I'll clean this part of my life. And then Jesus roller skates in, you know, with the shirt all twisted up. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll wash this part. Like some of you will never get that Jesus out of your mind, but it's okay. Like Jesus comes roller skating in at the car wash and he starts, wa- you and Jesus are not washing your life together. You're not in some little fictional 70s movie with blonde hair, bodacious Jesus with a twisted up shirt, roller skating in, and some Daisy Dukes washing that car with you. But that's sometimes how we want to make Jesus out to be, right? Like he's this weak, powerless guy that he's he's just doing his part and I'm doing my part. No, you bring your life, that car to Jesus. He demolishes it, and then he recreates a new one, whatever that is, a Lamborghini, Ferrari, and he says, vroom, vroom, here you go, kid. Take this. Here's holiness. It's yours. It's a gift. Here's righteousness. It's yours. It's a gift. Here's redemption. It's yours. It's a gift. See, we understand redemption, right? We understand we're not saving ourselves. But sometimes we think we're making ourselves more holy. Is that what it says? Well, he's going to give you all of redemption, but he's going to give you about 50% of holiness. you got to keep on working at this thing. Oh, he's going to give you 50% of of righteousness. you got to keep working at it. No, point blank. Right when you start with Jesus, it's all given to you. See, that's the part we have to hear today. Amen. And we've got to understand that, that our righteousness is in him. So here is the connection piece that I want you to get. If you can stick with Jesus, your behavior will change. If you can stick with Jesus, behavior modifications will happen. But it's your love for Jesus that comes first. It's saying, I believe you did that for me, and I want to be in you. I want you to be in me. Transform me, Jesus. Amen. Let's go to the justice part because this is really what I'm going to be focusing on today that I think is going to give you a lot of insight. As if, as if um, I mean, maybe you've been getting insight already, but I think this part in my heart is where I'm going to be focusing a lot. Revelation 15.3. And the reason why I want to focus on this is because I think if we can see the part of justice in the world being unfulfilled, then we'll see that salvation can only come through Christ and be fulfilled. And let me say it a little bit differently. Okay. 
So when we talk like, like this to our neighbor, they may start to argue with us and say, well, man, I don't really need righteousness like what you guys are talking about. I'm a pretty good person. I don't kill anybody. And they won't see that they're unfulfilled with righteousness. They'll think that they have some righteousness on their own. But what they will notice is that a world has gone astray. This world is full of uh, atrocities, things that just will break your heart if you watch the news and keep up with what's going on. And they'll understand that there's injustice in the world. Is everybody tracking with me? They may make an excuse about their personal righteousness, but even sinners will admit there's injustice in the world. And what I want to do today is I want to show you that as easily, as simply, as God answers the question of injustice, he does it for redemption. And for Christians here, I want you to use this as a tool to speak to your friends that are losing a Bible-based morality, thinking they can discover it on their own, whatever feels right for them, whatever opinion they have, whatever they watch from Oprah, whatever, that I want you to be able to say, hey, look at injustice, see how that's not right, and now look at yourself, see you're not right. See, we're all part of the problem. Even though we're not doing as crazy things as these people are, we're still part of the problem because we're not living in Christ's righteousness. So look at Revelation 15.3. If you're there, say I'm there. Boom, here it is in heaven. This is what they sing. Beautiful song right here. It comes from Moses, actually, in the Old Testament. And they sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the... So who is the king of all the nations? Jesus. And just and true are his ways. And if we had more time going back to the notes, you can look at Psalms 98, 1 through 10, and Revelation 19, 11 through 13 to get more insight. Now I want to get here quickly, so just go now to the being filled. So we're hungry and thirsting after Christ's righteousness. The two ways we're coming after that righteousness is for salvation and justice. And we know that God has both through Jesus. Salvation comes through Jesus, amen? And justice comes through who? Jesus, right? Now we'll be filled. What does that mean? Simply you'll be fully satisfied. You will not say, I've tried Jesus, now I need to try something else. You will not want to put Jesus on the buffet of religion and go, I need a little bit of Jesus with some Krishna on the side with a little sprinkle dust of uh, Scientology. You won't need to do that. When you truly come to Christ, you will feel a total satisfaction. Just after mama cooks that lasagna and I come hungry, I don't want anything else. I am satisfied. He will do that. And then uh, turn with me quickly, 2 Peter 3.13. Just want you to see this. And then ultimately, one day, Armando Rosa, Jesucristo will come from the clouds of glory. And we will be with him forever. Amen. Are you guys looking forward to that day? Are you looking forward to that? Come on. I'm looking forward to the day when the lion lays with the lamb, when all the nations dwell together. We all are here upon this new earth. New Jerusalem's walls are 144 miles high as they are wide. We get to ascend with like boom, bing. We get to go like look down. Like, oh, look how cool this is up in space. Hang out with the Holy Spirit. Drink from the river of life. Eat from the trees that are on the side of the river. Their leaves are healing for the nations. I know you'll love the leaves and the fruit and all that. Yum, yum. It's going to be all there. No more violence, no more crying, no more tears. It sounds too good to be true right now, doesn't it? But it is true. God has prepared that place for us, and it's coming to earth. Heaven's just temporary until Christ comes. Christ is there now, and all the people are with him waiting for judgment to come upon this earth because God's not giving it up to the devil. This earth belongs to God. Though Adam and Eve chose in the Garden of Eden to give authority to the devil, he doesn't get to keep it. It's God's earth, and we get to dwell here forever with him. Amen? 
So just look at this wonderful promise, 2 Peter 3.13. How many think Peter knew something about Jesus? How many believe he's inspired of the Holy Spirit? Amen? But in keeping with his promise, whose promise? Jesus' promise. It's what Peter's talking about. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where the what dwell? Where righteousness dwells and the righteous are going to be there. So Peter said, I heard Jesus talk about this all the time, that he was going to come back and dwell upon this earth in righteousness. And not only would he recreate the earth, he'll recreate the heavens. And the Bible says there's no night there. So the way I look at it is uh, everything you see now, dark matter or space, whatever it is that's black, you know, it's going to be like the lights are turned on. The stars are still going to be there. The galaxies are still going to be there. But all that dark matter is going to become white as light, and there'll be no shadow anywhere. Can you imagine that? That is how brilliant the light's going to be. And one of the reasons why I believe the light will be so brilliant is because he said we're the lights of the world. He's going to turn us back on. Adam and Eve were naked, never knew they were until they sinned because their spirit died. The light went off. And they're like, whoa, look out here. What's going on? I never saw this before because they weren't paying attention to the body. They were seeing the light. It's like looking at a bright light bulb. You can't see the logo and all that on there because the illuminescence coming from the light. But once the light comes out, you see the actual bulb. Are you tracking with me? And so here we'll be on this earth, light God, full of his glory, sharing in his divine nature as his children for all of eternity without pain or sorrow how many are looking forward to that do you understand now the beatitude blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled did you get it today amen that's the introduction to say that's the second introduction two okay here we go now this is where i wanted to get deep with you all this is where i think the rubber meets the road okay and so for those of you who know how to use uh, YouTube and things, I ask that you would do this this week. We'll, we'll post up the video as we always do, and all you have to do is put the marker of the video right now and click save, and it will save it at this minute mark. Is everybody with me on that? If you don't know, talk to Sister Deanna. She'll show you because I want you to share it with your lost loved ones, okay? So mark it and share it because our culture is turning away from the standards of God. Our culture is no longer looking to the God of the Bible to define what is right and what is wrong. Though on the inside they have an inner hunger to be changed, to find happiness on the inside, and though they have an inner hunger and a desire to see justice upon the earth, ending things like sex, slavery, and abuse, and scandal, they cannot find a solution, so they are anemic, they are dehydrated, they are malnourished. And the problem is, instead of turning to God, instead of this culture turning to God, we're going deeper and deeper into our own ways. We're becoming our own God. And you can hear that people make statements like this. I don't need anybody to tell me what's right and wrong. I make my own right and wrongs. You ever heard somebody say that? I make my own right and wrongs. How about this? Somebody says, well, I don't believe that's true for me. You tell them something about the Bible. They say, that may be true for you, but that's not true for me. Or they'll say something very similar to that. They'll say, hey, Christianity and Jesus might have worked for you, but I've already tried that. It hasn't worked for me. Well, what's happening in our society is they're trying to replace the idea and the foundation of God with right and wrong with man's own ideas. And what helps them do this? The theology of evolution, because that's really what I think it is. It's a belief. It's never been shown or proven. And that's the idea that something came from nothing a long time ago and that it started off as a goo on the planet Earth, goes through the zoo, and now ends up to being you. Right? So they believe something came from nothing, started off as a goo, goes through all the animals of the zoo, and comes to you. Now we have a problem right here because we still have these inner desires that evolution does not explain.
and that human opinions cannot answer. Let me start by asking this first question to these kind of people, and I want you to share it with your friends and see what answer they may have. Number one, at certain times, this is for the atheist or agnostic, the non-believer in God, at certain times do you sense disappointment in yourself due to inconsistency to your own standards of right thinking and behaving? So even if you're here today, you're not quite sure about God, and maybe you've brought here by a friend or something, I want to ask you this question, and especially those who are going to watch it by video. Do you ever disappoint yourself in your own morals of right and wrong? Do you ever say, man, I'm going to stop doing this, but you find yourself still doing it? doesn't matter what it is. Have you ever made promises to yourself that you break? As one wise person once said, the lies that we tell the most often and the loudest are the ones we tell ourselves. Can you see in your life an unfulfillment of your own moral standard? Maybe you've said, I'll be nicer to my neighbor, but yet somehow you're still angry and you know you should do better. Maybe you're saying, I should give more to charity, and yet you find yourself spending it more on yourself, and you regret doing that. Have you found out in life that your regrets and your bad decisions show that you're failing at even keeping your own standard? Now look at this. If you have felt that, the question that remains is, how do you explain this inner sense of conviction? How do you explain a longing for something to be right on the inside of you? Let me explain to you why this is a big issue. Because if you're an animal, just a product of evolution, whatever you do according to your instinct is right, you should have no regrets. As a matter of fact, the greatest, one of the greatest minds of atheism wrote the book, The Atheist Worldview. He wrote this uh, guide to reality for the atheist. And listen to what he said. He answers all these questions from an atheist point of view. He's a Ph.D. philosopher at Duke University, debated William Lane Craig a while back. I was interested in his book, so I got it. Alex Rosenberg. And look, listen to his answers about there not being a God and all this, and then look at what he says at the end. Is there a God? Here's his answers. No. What is the nature of reality? What physics says it is. What is the purpose of the universe? There is none. So here is an atheist that has studied more than most of your friends or even people watching this video have ever studied, and he's just being point blank honest. There is no purpose to this universe. What is the meaning of life? Ditto. There is no purpose to life. Why am I here? Just dumb luck. Does prayer work? Of course not. Is there a soul? Is it immortal? Are you kidding? Is there free will? Not a chance. Why does this atheist philosopher say there's no free will? Because you are a product of your biological brain, no different from the squirrel or the rabbit today. He is telling you the truth from his worldview. You have no free will. So isn't then there a contradiction in this sense of regret that people feel in their own standards? Isn't there a sense of longing that they can explain if all we have to look to is evolution in science? Isn't that a contradiction? Let's keep going. What happens when we die? Everything pretty much goes on as before, except without us. What is the difference between right and wrong, good and bad? There is no moral difference between them. You say, oh, this guy's crazy. He, he's a lunatic. He is a fringe. No, this is a philosopher, Ph.D. teacher at Duke University. Wrote his book to help atheists understand 
that every time you talk about your purpose, your decisions, your free will, you're actually playing a make-believe game in your mind because you have none. His whole book is to tell atheists, stop acting like your life has a purpose and a meaning and just be the animal that your biological nature makes you to be. And I'll get to that point in just an end if you can't accept that because he gives some good advice as an atheist, right? So he says, what happens after we die? Everything goes on. Is there any difference between good and wrong, bad, uh, good and bad? No, there's no difference. Why should I be moral? Because it makes you feel better than being immoral. So just do what makes you feel good. This is the Ph.D. Now watch this. Is abortion, that means to kill children and the baby, euthanasia to kill the handicapped and the elderly, suicide, paying taxes, foreign aid, or anything else you don't like, forbidden, permissible, or sometimes obligatory. He goes, anything goes. So is there, wrong with, is, is there something wrong with killing your elderly grandpa? Nothing wrong with that. Is there anything wrong with killing handicapped people? Nothing. Anything goes. Now, at the end of his book, the last paragraph of his book, he understands speaking to atheists who have been brought up in the Western civilized world pretty much developed by Christians that this is going to sound so asinine, so crazy, that he has to give them parting advice on how to be able to live as a true atheist. Here's his parting advice. If you still can't sleep at night, because he knows this is going to disturb you hearing this from him, if you still can't sleep at night, even after accepting science's answers to the persistent questions, like the one we just asked, you probably just need one more little thing. Take a Prozac or your favorite serotonin and keep on taking them till they kick in. That's how he ends his book. Ph.D. philosopher at Duke University debated William Lane Craig I believe at uh, Notre Dame, one of these very prestigious schools, and the audience that was there could not even believe what they were saying. They, they were in shock. They were saying, why do you even write books then if there's no purpose? Why do you even debate religious people if there's no purpose? He said, because that's what my biological brain makes me do, and I have no choice. I'm just following it. This is what I do to make, bring myself pleasure. So they ask him, what if the one man raping a child brings him pleasure? Well, he'll go to jail and find that unpleasurable, but I can't say it's morally wrong. It's just eventually he'll find displeasure because a society will tell him not to. And then they asked him, well, what if a society is built around raping children? Well, then there's nothing I can do about that. They're just animals anyway, and my might is not bigger than their right. Because might makes right in this kinds of thinking. And you would say, oh, man, this guy, he's just a kook and a crazy guy. Well, the Bible says the fool says in his heart there is no God. You are right. He is a fool. But what we don't understand is this is the pathway of people in our society. This is where it leads. And Alex Rosenberg is right to say that they don't have enough courage to reject God and take the other side. It's like our culture wants to reject God and, and, and say we don't need you, but at the same time want to take all of God's good things, his logic, his morality, his purpose, and now bring it into atheism. And you see this with your friends. They know there's a right or wrong, but they don't want to say God makes that right or wrong. They know there's a golden rule that they should treat others as they should treat themselves. But they can't tell you that it came from God. Why? Because the moment they admit it came from God, now they know there's a right way of doing those things and they're not willing to do it. So what they want to do is make a compromise. 
I'll be atheistic in my thinking, but I'll try to be Christian in my living. But really, does it fulfill the inner desire? Does it really give them the fulfillment of righteousness and justice? You know, go to the second part of the question. You know, do you ever find yourself disappointed with your own inconsistencies and standards of right and wrong? If you do, how do you justify this inner conviction? And number two, I'll challenge everybody that thinks this way, just using science within the context of evolution, can you explain your disappointment? So I would say if you disagree with Alex Rosenberg, because I've been on different websites, and people go, man, he's way off the edge. I'm an atheist, but I don't agree with him. Then I say, well, explain to me what is the purpose of life just using science. Explain to me why you feel the disappointment just using science. Because I believe actually Alex Rosenberg is being consistent, just like the days of nihilism and the time of the 1800s, that we're realizing today that there is no purpose without God. Now, here's the second question I want the atheist to ask, and it's coming to the Christian next. Everybody say, hold on. The next thing, and this is the most obvious one, this is where I wanted to stick with today. Do you have a desire for justice in this life? You see, when even the ungodly, the non-Christian, watch a child get abused, don't they hope that that stops? But if we're all just animals, why do we care? Someone says, well, because we're all animals, we should take care of the herd. But shouldn't the sick of the herd be eaten so that the strong can live? Isn't that what even the most intelligent of animals do? There's two stories that I was uh, debating on sharing today, and I feel that I should, so that this message can really impact our hearts because it's a part of our culture. Uh, there's three, uh, uh, three rather. But they're the most despicable stories I've ever heard in my entire life. So I just want to prepare you as you hear these. Because I don't believe anybody can hear these stories without their wanting to be justice. The first one, a mother is in a concentration camp in North Korea. This woman who escaped from the concentration camp said that she watched a mother starving to death take her nine-year-old child, butcher her, and put her in a pot to eat her. And when the child would not fit into the pot, she had to cut her up even more. And the most visible sign was watching her cut off the arms and force it into the pot that she had. Happened in our lifetime. A woman escaping the concentration camp of North Korea testifies she watched this happen. How do you feel when you hear that? Does not your heart cry out for justice? But what is an atheist, an agnostic, the people of this world, what answer do they give us in exchange for that? If we're all just animals, there's nothing wrong with that, and there's not one thing you can do to stop it because there's no free will. It doesn't exist. Here's the other one. You might have heard about this one on the news. A man in Louisiana, 30-year-old man, takes his stepson who is handicapped and beheads him over his kitchen sink because of his handicap. The neighbors passing by see it through the window. He then decapitates the body and buries it, and he is arrested. And he said, because the boy was handicapped, he did not deserve to live. 30-year-old man decapitated his handicapped stepson. How can we live in a world where we hear of these stories more and more? Because of people like Alice Rosenberg. For people who are telling us the truth, why is there a Columbine? Because people don't believe we're people anymore. 
Now, if you think remaining neutral and saying, well, I don't need to do anything about it, you're wrong. God uses his people to bring forth justice. And justice has to be grounded upon a standard of right and wrong. Our laws have to be based upon not murdering and caring for the children. And then the last one here in Illinois, just showing you how bad things have gotten. A 14-year-old sister stabs her younger sister 40 times and says, it's because she did not appreciate me. Can you imagine as a parent, this just shocks me to the core, this message will not even do justice to how I feel in my heart. Could you imagine having two daughters like I do, you leave them alone, and because of an argument, the older one stabs the younger one 40 times. Not once, 40 times. So what solution do we have to this in the world? There is none. That's why it's so hopeless. And that's no different than the gangbanger over here or the man downtown going to steal money from his corporation to the sports guy who's going to start pimping hoes on the side. It doesn't matter. This world has lost its moral foundation. There is no filling for their soul in the TV, the, the politics, the leaders. The only one that promised to fill us with righteousness is Jesus. He's the only one that can fill the longing of our souls. So how much longer, culture, are we going to keep on doing this the devil's way, which is really our way? Because the biggest lie the devil told us was, you don't need right and wrong by God. You can make your own right and wrong. How much longer will we turn our heart towards the things of this world instead of God? So I plead with the unbeliever. If you feel a sense of conviction on the inside in your own life and you feel a sense of justice that needs to happen upon this earth, I plead with you, turn to God and repent of your selfishness. And now lastly for the Christian as Rachel comes. Christian, believer in Christ. And I could deal with all other religions because there's obviously... Uh, there's people who don't believe in God. There's people who believe in different versions of God. And then the Christian God, I couldn't go into that different version of God today because it's already 12. I knew I wouldn't have time. But if you want to know about those versions, you can get our 201 book. Chapter 11 deals with Islam, Hinduism, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, etc. Number one, Christian, I want to ask every, is anybody here a Christian love Jesus? Yes. Amen. I want to ask you a question now. Do you believe that when you were born again, you were truly made righteous, holy, and perfect in your soul and spirit? See, I want to ask you that question. Do you believe it? Is that something that is your reality? Or do you make excuses to live in sin? Because the Bible didn't say he was partially your righteousness, partially your holiness. He said he was all of it. And as you think about yourself as how you'll live, if you walk out of here and keep saying, well, I'm a sinner, I'm still jacked up, you know, Jesus is trying to work on me, but there's a lot to do, then you will live like that and make excuses when you sin. And when you go to a good church like this and says, no, we expect better from you, we know you can live better, you're going to say, who are you to judge me? Stop your judging of me. No, I'm just saying, did you come to Christ? Then you were made holy. You were made righteous. Live it. Be ye perfect, for your heavenly Father is perfect. Keep his commands.
Well, what if I mess up? Keep his other command that talks about repentance. True repentance means I'm sorry and I'm turning away, changing my mind. There is a way for us to live in this world righteous. I would never put my child in a strip bar, in a drug house, and say, now you try to live it, try to live a good life. That would just be harmful, wouldn't it? Well, is God that same abusive father? Well, here you are in this wicked world. You'll never live righteous, but I expect you to. Is God a bad father? God would never ask you to do something unless he knew you could do it because of him. He asked you to do it because he's given you his righteousness, his holiness, his power, his strength over sin and temptation. The Bible says every time you and I are tempted, God provides a way of escape out of it. There is never one time you're faced a time to sin and act unrighteous because he's leading you on that path. He's speaking to you about your sex life, about your temper, about your money. And at any time you get tempted to step off that path, he is there to tell you, don't do it. Here's another option. He is pleading with you not to do it. And when you do it, he's quick to convict you. And for some of you, you've heard that conviction, but then the voice goes away. Why? Because you're leaving that path of righteousness. Your heart is becoming numb. And God says, come back to me, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Come and ask me, and I'll give it to you. Lord, make me righteous. Yes, you're righteous. Lord, make me holy. Yes, you're holy. Lord, make me blameless and perfect in your sight. Yes, I've perfected you in holiness, the Bible says in Hebrews. If you don't, as a Christian, truly live the holy, perfected life, then how do you explain what it means to be a new creation? Is God make-believing? I'm partly new, but I'm not. When, what do you explain that? I can only say I changed when God changed me. What do you say? Don't make excuses for sin. Let's hate sin and live without sin. The pattern of the believer should be without sin. Amen? If you do sin, what do we do? We repent. The second question, for those who believe in holiness, righteousness, the perfection of God in Christ Jesus, sharing his divine nature, do you really live it? So now it's not just do you believe it, do you live it? Do you know what the Bible says? I don't even have time to go there, but I put it there for your sake. 2 Peter 1, 4, the Bible says we share in the divine nature. Is divine nature half prostitute, half holy? Then men, why are we looking at pornography? Share in the divine nature of Christ. Is Jesus half a lunatic, wild with his temper, or is he always peaceful, calm, full of the joy of the Lord? Then let's submit our tempers to Jesus, sharing his divine nature. He gives it. We receive it and say, yes, Lord. Number two, do you work? See, do you go out and do things to bring God's justice upon the earth? Ending abortion, sex trafficking, racism, economic oppression, poverty, whatever it is. Are you doing something as a disciple to bring his kingdom onto earth as it is in heaven? Because you're the source of God's justice. If there's not somebody like you in Congress today, God have mercy on us all. Because if we don't become a government of the people here, then the people we have in there will be more like Alex Rosenberg. If on your job they're not thinking about doing the best service that they can, then they're going to start ripping off their customers. We need to bring justice to this earth through what we do here. And then we need to go beyond just our comfort. We need to help the, the innocent, those who can't speak up for themselves. 
Help in the foster care program. Help with the abortion ministry. Help uh, um, teen mothers. Help out in the youth group. We need to find a place to bring God's justice here. Because if you're not hungry for God's justice upon the earth, do you admit that it's because you're full of the world's pleasure? If abortion doesn't bother you, sex trafficking doesn't bother you, if the violence in our city doesn't bother you, do you admit that's because you're so full of your Xbox young people and your PlayStation 4? Or do you admit, uh, adults, you're so full of the cubs and the bears and whatever next teat this city gives you to suck on that you're not taking out the bobo thinking for yourself? Do you admit it? Let's be honest. If we don't care about the lost, it's because we're full on something else. If it doesn't break our heart that on Long Street a woman was abused, sexually raped, and left for dead a few blocks down, if that doesn't compel you to want to witness on this street, to invite people to the cross in our backyard, it's because you're full on something else. And God didn't say hunger and thirst for your job. Hunger and thirst for, He said hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he said in Matthew 6, 33, somebody say Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Or rather, he said, those who seek first my kingdom and righteousness, all these things will be added unto them. And, and lastly, if you're bringing God's justice to the earth, I want everybody to hear this, especially those who help with the abortion ministry and things we do here. And work on the west side or Wednesday night crew. Because we busting kids from the west side here. If you're bringing God's justice to this earth through prayer and good deeds, are you doing it in God's love and strength? Don't get weary in well-doing. Don't give up. Are you doing it with God? Are you doing it with His power? Is that what's motivating you teenagers to do the school clubs? Is that what's motivating our ministries to go out and invite people into the church? Is it His love and His strength? Because if we're not doing it from there, if it's just legalism, we just become Jehovah Witnesses knocking on doors. If we don't really love the people we're talking to, are you with me? And if we don't do it in God's strength, we'll quit halfway through. We'll let down the school. We'll let down the place. They'll say, where are those Christians? They used to be here we got to do it in His strength, by His heart. Amen? Can you stand up and give God a praise this morning in the house of God? Amen? We hunger and thirst for righteousness. Come on, you're not clapping for the preacher. You're clapping for Jesus and His kingdom. Hallelujah! In closing today, I want you just to look up at this screen, this last quote, altar workers, would you come, please? Comes from a great commentary, the expositor's commentary. We heard what Alex Rosenberg had to say about atheism and life without God. But listen to what this wonderful Christian writer says, this scholar. He said, these people, everybody say these people. These people hunger and thirst. Not only that they may be righteous, but that justice may be done everywhere. Woo. You know what they used to say in the early church? This is 100 A.D., 200 A.D. You know what they used to say? When the Christians came to town, Homeless will get fed now. Praise God, they're here. The derelicts will get rehabilitated. Praise God, the Christians are here. I wonder what they say now when we go to their restaurants to eat afterwards. Here come the low tips. Here comes the complaining. Here comes the judgmental people. I want this community to say, praise God, the Christians are here. Because not only do they live righteous, but they bring justice wherever they are. I remember walking out this door one time seeing a homeless man stumble, fall flat on his face right in the middle of the street, puke everywhere, just picked him up and said, man, we got to help you. Called a policeman to bring him somewhere safe so he wouldn't get run over. 
Another time witnessing right here by the cell phone store. There was a cell phone store before there was a corner store. Seeing a dude with tattoos all over his neck. Witnessing to him, not being ashamed. His friend ended up dying that night. He called me up weeping on the phone. He said, man, I can't believe I just met you, but my friend just got his head blown off with a shotgun. Pray for me. I want them to say, we're here, and we're here to bring justice. The love of God, the ways of God. These people hunger and thirst not only that they may be righteous, but that there may be justice done everywhere. All unrighteousness grieves them and makes them homesick for the new heaven and earth, the home of righteousness. Satisfied with neither purchase personal righteousness alone nor self, uh, social justice alone, they cry for both. i got to read that again. Praise God for this man of wisdom. Satisfied with neither personal righteousness alone nor social justice alone, they cry for both. In short, they long for the advent of the messianic kingdom. What they taste now whets their appetite for more. Ultimately, they will be satisfied without qualification only when the kingdom is consummated. You may have to go through God rehabilitating you and your attitude until you finally believe who he's made you to be. But I will tell you this, he'll never change on what he said. He meant it. You may have to go through some time of really studying and praying and repenting until you finally get it. But I want to tell you, in Christ you are righteous and holy and redeemed. And I will say this, we will face hardships bringing justice to this earth. We will face rejection. We will get mocked. But God will show up in the midst of it. And in one day he'll make every wrong right. And I pray he uses this sermon and this beatitude to bring blessing to us all. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today's service. I pray that you bless us as we go our separate ways. Every head bowed and eyes closed. We're about ready to dismiss. I'm going to pray one more time, but I want you to hear me before I pray. If you need to be encouraged in the righteousness of Christ or you have a heart for justice, after I dismiss, come to this altar and we'll pray for you and the need that you have. Or if you have a need for anything, we'll still pray for healing, for sickness, uh, for restoring of your marriage, anything. Why? Because it's the right way to do it. It's God's way. But here's what I want you to, to believe today before you go, even if you don't come for prayer, that if you hunger and thirst for righteousness in the kingdom of heaven, you will be filled. So before you go right now in your own words, would you say, Jesus, I hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Come on, before I pray again and dismiss us, would you pray that right now and mean it from your heart? I hunger and thirst for your justice, for your salvation, not only for me, but for this world. I believe you'll fully satisfy us. I believe you'll fully provide for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, you're going to take care of us. You're going to fill us. Lord, I pray now we live it. As we leave this place, but not your presence, help us to live the righteous life and be filled everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, can you say amen? Amen. God bless you. Slap your neighbor high five and say, be filled. Come on, tell them, be filled. Thank you for coming. We'll see you at Life Groups. Come on up if you need prayer. Have a wonderful week. Come on, sing it out, sister. We cry holy. 
because God is holy. And he said,